Hello and welcome to the Mustangs Report, the official podcast of the Western Mustangs. I'm your host and sports information coordinator, Ryan Robinson. We're so pleased that you've joined us in this exciting new endeavor as we go beyond the scores and the games that our Mustang student-athletes compete in and dig a little deeper into the stories surrounding our teams, student-athletes, coaches, and alumni. We'll be bringing you a new episode every month covering a wide array of topics, always with the purple and proud flair, of course. Before we introduce you to our first episode, I'd like to ask that how Wherever you're following along, whether that be through our website at westernmustangs.ca or wherever you're following along, that you make sure to like and subscribe to our channel so that you get notifications of all of our new content as it's released. And if you don't already do so, make sure to follow along on social media at Western Mustangs. For those who have followed our channels lately, you would know that it's been a difficult start to the year 2022 as we've lost a pair of Mustangs legends and it all happened within the same week. So we thought it was fitting to use our first episode of the podcast to recognize and remember a pair of great members of our Mustangs family and former football coaches Darwin Samodiak and Larry Haler. We'll have a two-part episode for you this month. In the first portion, we'll be joined by current Mustangs football head coach, Greg Marshall, as well as former players and coaches in Nigel Wilson and Jamie Bone, as well as CBC's Scott Russell, a Mustangs alumni, will join us as they share stories about the late head coach and former athletic director here at Western. And in part two, we're joined by former players in Donovan Bennett and Andy Fantuz, as well as play-by-play voice of the Western Mustangs on News Talk 1290 CJBK and a former Mustangs player himself in Tom McConnell, as well as Coach Marshall, as they share some of their best memories of the man known by many as Larry the Legend. There are some very real and at times emotional conversations coming up, but it was also very meaningful at the same time, and we hope that you enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the first episode of the Mustang Report, and uh, as I uh, said off the top, I, I kind of uh, you know, I would like to be getting together under a, a cheerier note, but at the same point, I think a, a very important uh, a conversation and b opportunity to to remember uh, a couple of very great gentlemen that I've c- kind of put together, uh, and I'm you know lucky enough that I get to be joined by all these fantastic gentlemen. To uh, first and foremost, uh, we're going to talk uh, about Darwin Simodiak and uh, obviously what. Uh, who Darwin was and what he meant to the university. Um, got uh, obviously uh, Jamie Bone with us, uh, Scott Russell from CBC, Nigel Wilson, and uh, our head coach uh, Greg Marshall. Uh, Greg, I've, I've left Greg alone for a couple months, so I'm, I'm glad that he actually took my call um, this time around. So uh, I bug Greg constantly. So, um, so uh, thank you all for for being part of this, and uh, and I know uh, we we've all had discussions over the last couple of weeks, uh, and we've seen kind of the the outpouring of of uh, of you know memorials and condolence and, and you know just memories and, and the kind of conversations so that's kind of what brought this along. Um, first and foremost, uh, kind of we'll, we'll go around the table and uh, I'll start to, uh, with Greg. Uh, Greg, obviously for for Darwin, I know when you and I talked uh, earlier this month when uh, when the sad news came of his passing, I know that was a, a tough uh, kind of uh, a tough week. And we'll talk about Larry a little bit later on as well. But um, you know how how tough has these last few weeks been, and then kind of uh, you know how how have you seen this outpouring of support for for Darwin? Yeah, it was uh, it was very difficult. I, I mean, I saw Darwin. Uh, I, I spoke to Darwin on, on a regular basis, at least two or three times a week. He always came to see me on uh, Monday mornings after a game. Uh, I usually saw him on game day. Um, so I, I saw him two or three days after the Vanier Cup. Supposed to go out for dinner with him on, on that weekend, and uh, unfortunately, he called and said he wasn't feeling well. And 
Um, the next day, he, they had to take him by ambulance to the uh, the hospital and admit him for that infection. And at the time, we just thought that he was going to get better and that he was in, in good care at, at the hospital here at uh, at UH. And um, it was uh, it was quite a shock. Uh, I know go across the board uh, and uh, Nigel for you, uh, you know, obviously how, how tough was that news initially and uh, what, what, what initial kind of memories came to tame to mind when you, when you think about Darwin? Well, first and foremost, it indeed was a shock. Uh, we'd been obviously following the uh, battle that he was having within the hospital over the last three and a half weeks. And uh, regardless of being part of that, the, uh, end was sudden <clears throat> was quite sudden and very unexpected so it was quite numbing it was shock and uh you know hearing the news you, you immediately you know think of uh who the man was but more importantly you think about uh you know how mary was dealing with everything and uh you think about his kids and grandkids and so you know, apart from my relationship with him, the initial shock and, and grief really was directed that way. And uh, over the course of the last uh, few weeks, you know, I've had time to sort out the news of his passing, et cetera, and uh, understand, you know, what it meant for uh, my relationship with him. But to answer your question, it was, you know, numbing and, and quite a shock. Uh, Jamie, for you, uh, I know uh, when I look at you, you, obviously your time with the Mustangs, I'm sure Darwin obviously is a huge part of that, um, you know, kind of syncing together those timelines sort of thing. What was, uh, um, you know, did, did, were there initial kind of memories that came to mind? Because I think, you know, the, the, the shock and, the, and the, you know, the, the sadness of the situation is obvious. And I don't mean to make everybody, you know, start on a, a, a tough note here. But, uh, you know, what, what were your first few thoughts and, and memories sort of thing? Well, I think the first thing is, you know, Darwin was a great friend. You know, not only was he a mentor and, and a coach, he hired me as a coach for the first time as well. And uh, the other thing is, is when I was a young guy, 19 years old, and I was coming up from Acadia to go to, to look at Western, I wasn't going to go there. I was just coming up to look. Um, a buddy of mine was supposed to pick me up at the airport at 11.30 that night. And of course, he got sidelined and ended up at the seeps and he never showed up. And the only other guy's name that I had that he had given me was Darwin Samodia because he had just been named the head coach at Western. So I called Darwin at around quarter to 12. Nobody was left in the airport. They're getting ready to shut it down. And Darwin came out in his 1970 Volkswagen van. I remember Nigel and Greg would remember it probably. And mm -hmm. uh, I stayed at his house that night. And we had a great discussion. I slept on the couch and they took me to uh, the university the next day because he was running uh, a preseason camp for the guys that were going to the pros. And uh, that was my first experience with Darwin. And it was a friendship that lasted, obviously, until his death. And unlike Greg, you know, I, I wasn't fortunate enough to see him every, every week. But I got a chance to see him this past summer. His daughter bought a place in New Brunswick, Canada, around St. Stephen area. St. Andrews, and I have a cottage out there. And so I got a chance to see Darwin and Mary um, twice, actually. They came to our place in, in uh, Grand Bay, and I went and spent some time with uh, him down there. And it was it was a fabulous day. We uh, shared some old stories and, and uh, 
uh, it was just really fun. And those are the kind of the memories that I have of Darwin right now. I remember the first mm -hmm. time I met him and the last time I see him and everything else in between is really, really special. Uh, Scott, uh, Scott Russell from CBC, always a, a big supporter of the Mustangs. I feel like every time there's a big event, uh, I'm almost at the point now when I'm looking at our social feed, I'm like, I'm like, I know what's coming. I know what's coming. There's a, there's, there's, there's a Scott Russell post coming and they're always great. Um, you bring obviously the different perspective. You, you're not, you're not, you know, you weren't the player, you, you know, we obviously the player and the coach aspect, but it's from the, the person who covered Darwin sort of thing. And, you know, being a student at Western sort of thing at the mm -hmm. time, uh, what are, what are your initial memories of, of Darwin? Cause I know you, you, you made a, a wonderful post the day that, uh, that the news came out. Thanks very much, Ryan. And, and it's great to be here. And I got to tell you what a thrill it is to be here with, uh, with Greg Marshall and Nigel Wilson and Jamie Bone. Uh, these are, these are guys that I looked up to when I was a student at Western and, uh, uh, went to the games at uh, Little Stadium, and I, I still have a clear uh, memory uh, of Darwin Simodiak on the sideline. And, and Darwin, you know, more often than not, if it was a sunny day, was wearing those uh, those sunglasses. And more often than not, if it was a chilly day, he would wear, you know, a sort of a suede leather jacket. He had beads around. Jamie talked about the Volkswagen bus that he had. Um, Darwin was a man of the 70s uh, in those days, 1976, when I first saw the Mustangs play the Vanier Cup year, and John Priestner was on that team, and Claude Riopelle and Craig Labatt, Jamie and Nigel uh, were on that team. Uh, and, you know, Darwin was on the sideline, his arms folded, steadfast. Uh, he was never the story that the team was the story. Um, but but Darwin was was that sort of a guiding light and and the, the quiet mentor of the team, as I recall. And, you know, I I encountered him not that many times in my life, but uh, he became a real mentor to me because Darwin was very interested in uh, not only the football team, but um, the role that that sport could play in the life of a community and in the life of the university as a larger thing. And he really believed that sport made communities better. And um, he certainly demonstrated that in his time as, as the athletic director at Western um, after his days as, as the head football coach. Um, and I remember receiving the, uh, uh, the Mustang Excellence Award with Marnie McBean, who was a three-time Olympic champion and a graduate of Western. And, um, Darwin, you know, took me on a tour of the university, all the athletic facilities, that brand new uh, rec center for the students, which the students funded, and how proud he was of that facility and, and what it would mean to the life of the university. Um, this was a guy that was extremely interested in sport and how important it could be in the narrative of the university and of all of all our communities, he he was a he was a real mentor, and uh, I'll miss him. Uh, across the board, uh, kind of, you know, we, we want to talk about the, you know, Darwin as, you know, the person, and we've kind of seen here in the first few minutes uh, when we're talking that it's, uh, you know, obviously a, a scenario where he, he meant and he kind of touched people in a different way, being the, the head football coach, but then also being 
athletic director as well. Uh, kind of take me through the, uh, for those who, from the football angle, let's, let's have some fun, the fun football stories sort of thing. Uh, you know, uh, Nigel, you know, is there a, an immediate kind of football story that mm -hmm. comes to mind or something that, you know, on a, on a game day or was it a, a pregame, uh, you know, routine or tradition that kind of came to mind when it came to, to with the way Darwin operated the team? Well, I, I don't, there isn't a, one specific story that uh, I'll share with you, but in terms of game day and preparation and all the football aspects, um, my memory is one of Darwin always being calm and collected, and he had a very calming influence on the sidelines, on the field, um, in the locker room, and he never seemed to be rattled or get confused regardless of how the game was going. And uh, I think that eventually began to filter down to the players over the years that, you know, we played for him. And, you know, we, we seem to pick up on Darwin's attitude that regardless of the challenge uh, we could come in at halftime and we maybe as a team hadn't been playing well but there was always this in the back of our mind that I think we'd learned from Darwin's example of, you know, we're going to find a way to overcome this and uh, we're going to be successful and we'll uh, overcome what we have to do. And I really think that, you know, emanated from Darwin and his approach and his attitude and really his calmness. And uh, he never had to raise his voice at all. He, you know, when he spoke, we listened. And uh, it was, uh, you know, a real tribute to how he handled the team, et cetera. And, uh, you know, the one line that all of us are quite familiar with uh, as he talked to the team about a lot of things was, um, I believe, you know, always in your decisions, use good judgment. And I have great memory of him saying that many times, especially after victories when the team wanted to disperse and go out and celebrate. He always had that line uh, hanging over us and it really became uh, uh, connected to who Darwin was. And that's my sort of football memory of Darwin's leadership and his impact on the game and uh, in the locker rooms. Uh, Greg, how many times has that statement come up uh, or maybe been uttered by yourself over the last <laughs> number of years? Or something like yeah. it, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I, I have copied it, but I, 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 I just bang on, you know. And it was as a group, as a team, and sometimes it was just Gregory tonight. Use good judgment, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and but Nigel is correct, you know, in, in his very, very calm way, he commanded the locker room. And I was thinking about it the other day. He actually was finished his career as a head coach at the same age that I was starting as a head coach in, you know, years ago at, at McMaster, he was, when, 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 when he started coaching here, he was pretty, he was a young man. Now he was probably the same age as you, <laughs> uh, but, but, but we never thought of him as that. He, he was, he was like a father to us and um, he looked mm -hmm. after us and he cared about us. And I think that that was the thing that was, incredible about Darwin, how he could have that impact on so many people. And being a coach, sometimes you have to make difficult decisions on who's playing and what their role is. And yet Darwin had this, this respect uh, 
across the entire team. And it was, it was really unique. And I, I go back to my recruiting visit with, uh, um, cause I, I, I always wanted to come to Western and not because of Darwin Simodiak, because of Jamie Bowen. I mean, <laughs> I'm at Western because of Jamie Bowen. I want to be a quarterback. I was not a quarterback, but, um, I remember so watching this. This is the part that gets edited out. Yeah, I, I, I would, go, I would go to the games, uh, you know, in Guelph and watch all the games on CHCH, and I wanted to go to Western because Jamie Bowen and they were a great football team. And I was at a uh, Guelph celebrity banquet, and Darwin was one of the celebrities. And of course, you know, a bunch of my dad's buddies, you know, probably had too much to drink and went over and, you know, told Darwin I was like the best guy, you know, the best player and that I could play on their team right now. I told the Hamilton Tiger Cat, the Buffalo Bills coaches that were there, the same thing. But Darwin came <laughs> over to me, didn't know me from Adam and, and set up a visit. And on my visit, when I left, uh, my mom said, Greg, I don't know a lot about football, um, but I know I'm a pretty good judge of character. And that is a very, very special man. And I know he will look after you. I think you should go to Western. Um, that, that was the type of person Darwin was. And I will say this, that I was 18 or 19 years old. And for over 40 years, Darwin looked after me for over 40 years. Um, still coming to my office with that apple every Monday. Um, Gregory, you need a little nutrition. <laughs> Put away the bag of Doritos. <laughs> things i wouldn't yeah. say for 500 and i will never really say that entire first name at all i'm i'm, I'm to the point where i periodically i kind of say to myself i'm like i don't even know if i should send a message and i feel bad sometimes saying emailing greg and just saying hey greg because i'm like i feel like i'm not doing things right but um yeah. <laughs> uh scott i know uh scott's preparing for some some olympic coverage here so i know you're a busy sort of thing uh and I know you have to run, so we, we want to make sure we kind of uh, are appreciative and understanding of your time. Uh, for you, Sonic, kind of thing, um, you know, hearing these uh, these stories, and you, you've obviously told some stories over the years of, of your time at Western sort of thing. Um, how much uh, is that kind of, uh, you know, that, that impact for, for sport and for those individuals going forward and how uh, important people like Darwin are to continuing that, that legacy? Well, you know what? Um... I'm so glad Jamie's on uh, on the call because uh, huge impact for me. Um, I I graduated from the university uh, the first time in 1980, and then in 81 with a bachelor of education degree, and then I, I went away, taught school for a while, came back and and I did my uh, master's degree in journalism uh, in 85, 84, 85, and uh, by that time Jamie was. Uh, I, I think Jamie was a sports information director at that time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I remember I was the only guy in my class of 40 in that journalism school that was at all interested in sports. And uh, I contacted Jamie and uh, he personally invited me to the football games. Let me go to the sidelines. Uh, you know, I get kind of choked up about it because uh he introduced me to Larry Haler and to Darwin. And these guys, their door was always open to a guy that wanted to know how important the football team was to the university and how much uh, sport meant to the university. So I'm forever grateful for that and for the mentorship of, of Larry and Darwin and Jamie 
and and uh, and guys like Greg. And I remember um, I talked about uh, when Marnie and I got that Mustang Excellence Award, and Darwin uh, noticed that night that I was I was just wearing a regular tie, and um, he he was the one who sort of was partially responsible for the organizing of the dinner in Toronto. Um, because he, he, at that time, was very involved with the senior alumni of the university. And uh, so Darwin said, Scott, you, 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 can't, you can't wear that tie when you go up and, and speak tonight. <clears throat> and so he took off the tie that he was wearing, which is this tie right here. <laughs> and um, it's got the University College uh, turret on it. And he said, wear this tie, then you'll really be... Uh, a Western Mustang. And, and, you know, Darwin always told me a Mustang is a horse that cannot be tamed. So um, I'm, I'm forever grateful. And I'm, I'm grateful that you guys invited me to share a few memories of, of a great, great guy. Great guy. So thank you very much. Great to see you, Scott. Yeah. Uh, Take care, Scott. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate the time, Scott. And good luck with the Olympic coverage. I know it's a crazy time. So thanks for, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. You bet. Take care. Uh, Jamie, I want to go to you on, on that one as well. Uh, I, I will not, I, I even, I don't even feel like I can say the name Gregory and I won't look in Greg's direction. <laughs> it just, I feel like I'm just being disrespectful. Um, so f for you, were, were there those times and, uh, it, it, you know, when it came to sidelines or was it more the, the, the there's the, the on-field element is kind of a, and that seems to be the, the ongoing story, the, the in-game person is one aspect but it's the the away from the field and uh um you know the the, the person and the the, the uh, mentor sort of thing is is the bigger aspect is it right <clears throat> i think greg and nigel really you know hit upon it um about using good judgment all those type of things Darwin was always about personal responsibility and accountability and uh, we never had curfews we uh he kind of let everybody kind of do their own thing with the understanding that you're responsible for all your actions. And um, if you think you can go and party and, and uh, go crazy on Thursday night at the seeps and then perform well on Saturday, knock yourself out. But if you don't, then, then don't worry about uh, when you're sitting on the bench, or you're not making the dress roster the next week. So his point was he put it all back to you as the individual. And that's why, I always look at coaches as, as two things. One's a transactional coach and the other is transformational. A transactional one, of course, is you do something for me, I do something for you, that's fine. Darwin was more than that. Darwin was a transformational coach. Everybody he touched, all the lives that he, that he touched, all the people he coached and came around with, he transformed all these young men that kind of went through his mentorship. And still to this day, uh, a real testament to that is obviously the outpouring of uh, support for the family um, upon Darwin's death, but also how they live their lives. I think that's really important. Um, just a couple of stories about Darwin. We used to joke, and it's too bad Scott Russell still wasn't on the uh, on the podcast here. But um, I know Greg, you know, has won two Vanier Cups. Larry's won two Vanier Cups, and Darwin uh, has won two. And we always used to joke about Darwin. He was the only coach to win two Vanier Cups in a leisure suit because that's what he wore back in the day when Scott was talking about the uh, leather jacket and he had the beads and everything else. Um, and that was Darwin, Darwin back then. Um, the only other time, and it's funny because it was this summer, 
when we were chatting at uh, his daughter's place in, in Shamcook, New Brunswick. And uh, I was telling Mary a story. I said, the only time I ever heard Darwin kind of never raised his voice, but uh, he had a few words for a player on our team. And, and this would have been back in 77. We were playing Calgary in the, uh, in the uh, it's now the Mitchell Bowl. Back then it was a Forest City Bowl. And uh, for some reason we had, I think we had a turnover or a punt or something happened and our defense went out on the field and it was in the fourth quarter with only a few minutes left. And we were only ahead by two points. And uh, one of our players, Dmitry Kirilsky, did not go on the field. And he was a, a great player, an all-star. He was a starter. And he's standing right beside Darwin. And the defensive guys are yelling at Dmitry to get onto the field. And Dmitry's in dreamland or something. So anyway, <laughs> he realizes and he starts to run out on the field. And Darwin runs out about five yards and grabs him because the gate had gone up. So you couldn't substitute and we were going to get a penalty. So Darwin pulls him off and puts his arm around him. And to the rest of the crowd, it looked like, you know, what a nice guy. He's consoling him and telling him that it's okay. But I was kind of right beside there. And Darwin, the words that came out of Darwin's mouth when he was talking to, to Dimitri about what he had done, uh, I, I could not say them on this podcast. But after he was finished, Darwin, in his typical way, just stopped, hesitated for um, three or four seconds, and then he turned to Dimitri and he said, are you okay? And Dimitri looked at him like, yeah, he goes, go on in. And he just, just, just like that, like it never happened. But that was really the only time I've ever heard Darwin um, kind of use language <clears throat> that was probably inappropriate for the audience that was in, uh, in the stands. Uh, open this up to, to everybody. Uh, I know obviously, uh, there, there's the athletic director, there's the person, but obviously the coach, uh, you, you all kind of, uh, have you know, been in that coaching role and then obviously in big ways, how, how did he shape your day-to-day -day operation as a coach? Greg, I'll start with you. I'd like to say that, you know, um, I learned, I did learn a lot of things from Darwin. Sometimes uh, um, I wish I could be more like Darwin, um, that calm. I think I, I probably learned more or learned more, more from Larry that way. But uh, um, <laughs> Darwin, what I learned was that, that he, it's balance. You know, not only was Darwin a, and I learned this from Larry as well, is that outstanding coach cared about his players. But at the same time, balanced his family and was, you know, uh, a wonderful husband and, and father. And that was important. So not only was he uh, this someone that we looked up to and cared to, but he was a great role model for us as, as young men on, <clears throat> on how he behaved uh, and how he treated other people and how he was inclusive of everyone. All those things that we talk about now all the time. Um, Darwin lived his life and was a role model and didn't need to talk about it. Mm. That's who, that's who he was. And, and Jamie's absolutely right. Um, you know, when he was really mad at me, he would be, he would whisper like, Gregory, don't ever do that again. Okay. Got <laughs> and sometimes Jamie, you remember if you made a great play, he, when, when you came off, he tapped you a couple of times on the head, gave you a little grin. And if you made the biggest mistake, you came off. He tapped you a couple of times on the head and just looked at you. 
and you knew the difference. <laughs> you didn't have to say a word. Just to add on to that a little bit, in the Vanier Cup in 76, um, playing against Acadia, of course, a school that I played at, I was pretty nervous. Uh, I think the first pass I threw was picked off. Okay, so uh, I came off the sideline and Darwin said, don't worry, it's okay, everything's fine, you're okay. And then I threw another one, okay, in the first, first. <laughs> so I came off and he goes, are you okay? And I said, uh, yeah, he goes, okay, just settle down. Everything's going to be fine. I threw three, if you can imagine. So I threw the third one in the second quarter and I walked out the field. He goes, get your effing act together. That's what he said to me. <laughs> That's what I needed right at that time. And uh, sure enough, we did. And, uh, and, and, and I didn't throw any more for the rest of the game. And I think we, we managed to squeak it out. But uh, yeah, he, he was patient to an extent. You know, but he, yeah, he was. He, uh, his patience would, would run thin. He gave you lots of chances, but boy, when it came to that cutoff point, uh uh, there was no more chances. I, I think he was like, um, uh, I think Lou Holtz used to say years ago, he goes, you know, no quarterback of mine's ever thrown more than six interceptions in a season. They say, wow, that's incredible. You're a hell of a coach. And he says, no, because when he throws more than when he throws six, he's sitting on the bench. So if I think if I had to throw one more, I think Paul Ford would have been in that game, and never, you know, my career at Western probably was over. And then I would have come oh, to yeah. Western, Jamie. <laughs> there's a there's a timeline of impact going on yeah, here that we're what, just yeah. we're just finally understanding. Yeah, one of the, the things um, is that is you're right though we we never wanted to let we cared about Darwin so much. Uh, like a, a parent that we didn't let him down and that we, we didn't want to, uh, we use good judgment and we didn't want to have to walk into Darwin's office, not because of what he would say to us, that we, we felt like we, we let him down. And uh, I think that was kind of generally the feeling on our team that, that he had this personality and um, that, caring attitude that you know the players just wanted would do anything for him yeah um to answer your question ryan about the you know the impact that he had outside of football and etc well joining his uh, coaching staff in the 80s and working through the 80s and 90s as uh greg has mentioned you know darwin was always around and uh you know, he became the athletic director and, you know, always stayed in contact with the football team, et cetera. So throughout that whole time, we'd have different interactions with him. And um, and then I think it was around, it might have been just 2000, 2001, when he stepped down as the AD and he still stayed on at university and uh, we maintained our contact with him. But uh, we had a very, very you know, close knit of guys from the uh, 70s and periodically from, you know, through the 90s and the 2000s, Darwin, every three or four months, you know, we were all part of this large uh, email chain. He would always send out these life lessons on email. And, you know, you'd be, you know, I'd be raising my family, working as a teacher, coaching, and then, you know, at the end of, you know, a long day or something, you'd open up email and there would be a life lesson from Darwin. And those always appeared throughout our entire 
careers and it really did have an impact and uh uh you know so you'd read them and uh, you go yep that's that's darwin he's always keeping us connected that way and i'd pop into his office and uh have different chats with him and i remember one time it might have been 2008 or 9 and i was actually looking at a at a job i was applying for and i was Darwin always was gracious, and uh, I was asking him permission if I could, you know, use him as a uh, reference, et cetera. And, uh, and he looked at me, and uh, he told me another one of his short little life lessons and life stories. And uh, not to share the actual story, but the, the moral of it that he looked at me and said, well, Nigel, you it's really important to know where you are going in life. And uh, I said, okay, I, you know, I'm trying to move and get this job, et cetera. And he goes, well, sometimes you may already be there. And I looked at him and I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, you have, a, you have your family and you love your family and you have a great job and you're coaching and you're teaching and you, you know, you really, seem to love what you're doing and you know you have your friends and uh you you know you care and love for your friends and his message to me goes you know sometimes you don't you don't have to move on you're in the right place right now and regardless of what you do you may not need to explore other things stay with what really is important and he sort of you know reaffirmed my throughout my entire life to make that connection with family with friends and uh i walked out of that uh, office that day thinking you know you know what what a great mentor what a great message and uh you know it really it always stuck with me and sticks with me today it was it was an important moment for me uh, gentlemen, I, I think we could probably go on for a couple hours, uh, and I'm sure it wouldn't <laughs> take too much, but uh, uh, I know you guys, everybody's busy and so on and so forth, so I, I thank you for, for doing this, um, and uh, Greg's going to stick around because we're going to talk uh, talk about uh, talk about Larry Haler and his impact. Uh, before we go, I know uh, obviously mm -hmm. Nigel and, and Jamie, you had, uh, you know, you had your connections and uh, and, uh, you know, and personal involvement with, with Larry sort of thing. Do you have a, a quick Larry story before we uh, let you guys go? Um, yeah, I, I do. Uh, I remember meeting Larry for the first time uh, when I was in high school. Larry became the offensive coordinator of Dalhousie University in Halifax. And we used to go up and throw the ball there when I was in high school. And I met Larry and he was had a handlebar mustache. And I remember thinking, who is this guy? <laughs> He just came in from Saskatchewan, but I get to talking with him and uh, he had coached Dave Pickett in 73, who was the Heck Crichton Trophy winner. And so he took me up to his office and uh, showed me a game tape of Dave Pickett. And he said, you know, based on your ability, I think you could be like this guy. And he didn't know me from Adam, really. Um, but then um, I was still in high school and uh, he sent me a recruiting letter which I still have to this day. And uh, it's quite, and I've shown Larry the letter. And actually after I showed Larry the letter on a bus trip, I think when I was coaching at Western <clears throat> with Greg and, and uh, Larry was doing the radio, I showed it to him and uh, he's, and he read it and he goes, gee, 
I was a pretty good writer, wasn't I? <laughs> and I thought, that's exactly right. He was. Larry was a tremendous writer. I, I just, my, my last thing about Larry, and I, I know we're squished for time, is he was the type of coach that, you know, I know he and Darwin had different styles, but I think they both liked their players. And Larry was one of the guys who I always thought he believed in honest, tough talk. That's Larry. He told you where you stood all the time. And that's usually why I didn't have a lot of trouble with kids in the team, like trying to lobby and, you know, Greg can attest to this, what, how that goes. Um, he told you right where you stood and, and, and where it was. He also believed in unrelenting hard work. Mm -hmm. And he really did care about his players. You know, he did. I know this sounds the honest stuff talk and the caring about your players seems to be a bit of a dichotomy, but not really. Um, Larry's, Larry's difference, I think, was players didn't really appreciate him until after they were through their careers there. And then they start looking back and going, you know what? Larry was right. You know, Larry was right on this. I, I misread that at the time. But Larry was mm. absolutely right. And uh, those are the kind of stories I, I uh, take away from Larry. And as I said, he was a great friend, um, great mentor, thoroughly enjoyed coaching with him. And uh, but more importantly, he was a better friend. And Nigel? Well, yeah, for sure, uh, echo those comments uh, from uh, Jamie, but, uh, you know, great friend, fantastic friend, and uh, a great mentor in every possible way in terms of uh, who I am today. And I have, I know you have a segment coming up, and uh, you'll hear some great things said by those individuals, but, you know, what there's so much to say about Larry and, and, and what he meant to Western and what he meant to uh, his players and what he meant to his family. And, you know, he, he taught the, the core values and, and, you know, be trustworthy, be respectful. And uh, he, he also always added, you know, you have to be a responsible, good citizens. And he, al he always had, you know, word phrases that sort of stood out in some of his talks, et cetera. But Larry talked a lot about the quality of the person, the quality of the individual that he wanted to be on his team. And, and he, I think he really wanted his coaches to make sure that, you know, they uh, develop those attributes apart from the football skills within the person. And uh, he really created an environment of energy and one of urgency that you know we had to respond to and uh, know exactly what we're doing and at the end of the day through all the urgency and the and and the, and the stress etc he too would remind us about the importance of family and the core values of what we needed so I could go on and, and tell you many different stories, but you've got that set up. So I, I, uh, I wish you well on that endeavor. And uh, I thank you very much for uh, allowing me to be part of this. It's, it's very special. Well, uh, for, for everybody, uh, you know, Jamie, Greg, uh, I know Greg, you're going to stick around, but to, to Nigel as well. Um, I, I know this is a, a, a tough thing to do, but uh, we definitely appreciate you joining us and, uh, and, and telling a few stories because uh, that's kind of why why we decided to start this whole uh, endeavor all together and I think it's a great way to to kick things off so thanks a lot gentlemen appreciate it thanks Ryan thanks take care everyone <laughs>